Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm back today with Dr. Mark Hamby and we are talking this week about shepherding our children and what that looks like practically in our homes. But first I wanna thank our sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool. Do you want help managing your homeschool day on a day-to-day basis? BJU Press has a new homeschool hub that can dramatically simplify things for you. You'll be able to see your child's workload, document grades, modify schedules, and more. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub is the resource you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the hub can change your homeschooling. Dr. Hamby, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. You, you were on with me on Monday. If you guys missed Monday's episode, go back and listen to it because it's so good. And he's telling a story. We, we left with a cliffhanger because he's telling us this story about being a real shepherd and what it was looking like on his actual farm of shepherding this crazy Rambo, um, as he calls him, and all these other sheep that he has on his farm. So I'm going to let you just kind of continue on with your story. So my kids had, you know, just the most idyllic childhood. You know, we had several thousand acres for, to explore connected to a state park, um, hundreds of acres of woods, streams, a lake, three-story barn. It was just, it was amazing. You know, kids that would grow up on a place like this, you could only dream of it. But again, like I said earlier, you know, Cain still killed Abel in the most beautiful paradise in the world. And so it's not about the environment in which our kids live. And um, it's about reaching their heart. And um, and even though I had provided the very best um, place for my children to grow up, I was so busy, I couldn't, I wasn't reaching their heart and I didn't know how to reach their heart. And at the same time, as I'm raising the sheep and my sheep, they're, they're getting out, eating my neighbor's roses. You know, my sheep would resist me on every level. Um, it came to a point where, you know, I hated my sheep and my sheep hated me, you know, it was like that. And, uh, and not only that, but at the same time, as I'm having this difficulty raising the sheep, um, my son, Jonathan, at uh, 12 years old, I'll never forget it. At 12 years old, um, he told me he hated me. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment. You know, if I had ever said that to my dad, um, boy, he would have given me a beating. I, and I never would have said that to my dad. You know, my mom, she raised us. And my dad worked really hard. He was an iron worker. He wasn't home all the time. Um, but we were we were raised to respect our dad no matter what, you know, and so I never would have dreamed of saying something like that. And so here I am, you know, saved, trying to raise my family, homeschooling, and trying to do all the right things. And, um, and you know, he would have the audacity to say, Dad, I hate you. And so, um, you know, when you have a Jonathan, you know, in your home, someone that's always willing to, you know, he's strong, you know, and he's, you know, early childhood, you know, there was always an issue, something that I always having to deal with. I'd come home from the field and Debbie would tell me that here's the, here's what Jonathan was doing. You know, like devotions in the morning were, you know, we had devotions every morning. You know, I prepared devotions. I loved my devotions. My kids didn't. I love my devotions. And you know, like, Jonathan, put your chair down. Get, get your foot off your sister. Don't touch your brother again. If you put, put your chair down. Okay. You, you touch your brother one more time, you go to your room and you're going to miss devotions. He would, <laughs> he would do it on purpose. And 
I would send him to his room and he would sing victory in Jesus all the way to his room just to irritate me. And, uh, and I'm like, and you know, and the poor kid, you know, he got spanked a lot. You know, it was spank him. He'll not die. You know, that type of, that we were raised in, a, in with some legalistic mentoring, you know, when we first got saved and, and so there was no grace. I didn't even understand what grace was. And so, mm-hmm. so he, you know, I, I thought, you know, I, I need to get some, some counseling. Um, and at the same time, I'm still raising the sheep and my sheep still won't follow me, you know, and, and um, I'll never forget this, uh, this one time I went to this counselor and he said, I don't think the problem's you. He goes, I think the problem, I don't think the problem's Jonathan. I think the problem's your wife. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, I like this. And uh, he goes, it sounds like she's not submitting to your authority. And I'm like, that's, you know, and, and all marriages, you got some struggles. And, I'm, and he says, yeah, he says, Jonathan's rebelling against what he sees in your marriage. And um, he goes, until you get that fixed, you're not going to be able to fix the problem in Jonathan's heart. Now, part of what he said was right. Jonathan's rebellion really was as a result of our marriage. Um, and, and folks, parents that are listening to this have to realize this, that if you want to really raise your children well and raise them for, for God's purposes so they will have a heart toward God, then you got to do whatever it takes to get your marriage right. You know, get help. Get biblical counseling, though. Don't seek counselors that are you know, going to give you psychological battle. Find someone that opens the word of God and every moment and he shows you exactly what is wrong. You know, yeah. you've got to be able to be vulnerable. And, um, you know, you got to let you got to walk in the light. You know, the more light you walk in, the more vulnerable you are about your weaknesses, the more you begin to grow personally. Then you take, you know, you're accountable for your own life. And then your children see that. And then they're like, wow, dad is really changing. You know, mom is really changing. They start hearing your prayer life. And and they, and then when you do make a mistake and you do blow it with your children, then you you're you become more sensitive and you go to them immediately and just say, hey, look, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. And, and if they don't forgive you right away, you don't ever get into a war of words with them because that you want to empty the reservoir of hurt before you have to change their words. And so I'm going a little bit further, but let, let me back up a little bit. And so yeah. um, he said, Mark, he goes, I think that what you need to do with Jonathan is the next time he talks disrespectfully in any way, you need to deal with it in a very severe way. Like I'm already dealing with it in a severe way, but he goes, you need to exaggerate it beyond anything he's ever seen before so that he knows that you mean business. And, uh, and I thought, okay, it was like a drama scene rehearsed Friday afternoon, four 30. I come home and Jonathan's talking disrespectfully to his mom. And I put him on the kitchen floor, my knee in his chest. And I yell, like I've never yelled before. You'll never talk that way again in this house. You'll never do. And I'm like, and, uh, I said, you get to your room and don't you ever talk that way again. And don't you slam the door. And um, he gets to his room and doesn't slam the door. And I'm like, whoa, it worked. You know, in, in the seminar that I give, you know, people are listening to this. You know, we've had up to 17,000 people listening to this moment. And everybody in the auditorium thinks that I'm serious about this is the way to do it. Well, it's not the way to do it. Um, I went into Jonathan's room four hours later thinking I was going to pray with him, and find redemption, and then move on. But what I found was an empty room with an open window, and my son was gone. At 12 years old, he told me he hated me. At 14 years old, he ran away. 
And, um, and there was nothing I could do. Um, there's a train that goes through our property every three hours. It's most likely going to go down to the railroad tracks and try to jump a train is my guess. And most likely he's going to die, you know, and we went down there searching for him. We couldn't find him. It got dark, you know, and I searched for him for hours. I came back to that open window and I just knelt down there and I cried and cried. And I told God this, I said, whatever it takes for you to change me, to reach his heart, even if you got to take my life, do it. And that's the first time I'd ever prayed that God would change me rather than change my son. And Debbie walked into the room and our marriage at this moment is hanging by a thread. And Debbie walks into the room and she sees me on my knees in tears. And for the first time in five years in our marriage, she came over and put her arm around me and held me and put her head on my shoulder and just held me. She didn't say a word. And that was our first intimate moment in five years. Um, and the reason for that was because our wives, our spouses are drawn more they're attracted more to humility than authority. You know, we can we can manipulate and dominate and tell people, you know, we can make people think that we're in control, but we're not. God's in control. And the greatest example of God in control is a life that is surrendered in humility. Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. So God brought me to the lowest place, you know, and uh, Jonathan came back the next morning. I was really thankful that he came home. I just said, I'm so glad you're, you're safe and that you're home. And he was blown away by that because he was like, he thought for sure he was going to get a spanking. And, um, and so things started to change. And then I think it was like two weeks later, um, I took some medication. I had, I had severe colitis, fibromyalgia, severe depression, and chronic fatigue. And uh, of course, when you're a type A personality and you're trying to control everything around you, you burn yourself out. And um, that's what happened to me. I was burning myself out, trying to do all this stuff, you know, placing responsibility above relationship. And that's what I had always done at that. I placed responsibility above relationship. And mm -hmm. I, I thought I was teaching them responsibility and preparing them for their future. But what I, what I was doing is I was pushing them away from their father's heart. And that's what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear the beating of my heart, not the beating of my voice. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so um, I ended up taking this medication down at the Chronic Fatigue Institute, and it had a severe effect on my central ner- nervous system. I got severely sick. I had what appeared to be a stroke. It wasn't a stroke, but the medication affected my central nervous system so that I couldn't walk, talk, or write or hold saliva in my mouth for the next two years. Wow. And God gave me a Nebuchadnezzar experience. And Jonathan had to lead me by the hand to do the chores on the on the farm um, for the next two years because I couldn't stand up. And uh, so when I started to get a little bit better and could walk a little bit, Jonathan had to hold me by the hand. And, and in God's amazing providential design, the lamb was now leading the shepherd. And I had to become dependent upon my family for me to do anything. And, uh, and during that time, God started to bring healing in all of our lives. Not complete, but enough to stay together and to learn that there's still hope. And, uh, and during that time, <laughs> stupid sheep, you know, they, they, uh, they were, I couldn't get them in the barn. And I put sweet feed down on the ground and I, and, and one of the dominant ewes would grab the sweet feed, you know, start eating. And I'd grab her and I'd drag her. She'd put her hoofs in the ground. And she wouldn't let me drag her. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to get her in the barn because you got to get them sheared. They're going to lamb in two weeks. And if you don't get them sheared before the rain, it's terrible. It's, you can't shear them. And then if you have lambs and they you don't have it sheared, they'll suck on the wool and they'll die of lanolin poisoning. And so there's all kinds of stuff that's got to happen with a shepherd. Wow. And I couldn't get her in. And she spun around and I, I lost my grip. And I'm holding on by one hand. And she's dragging me down the hill into this muck puddle. And she just stops right there like she knew what she was doing. And I'm like, you <laughs> stinking sheep. You know, you could rot out here. I could care less. So I go to I go home uh, that night. It's about 100 yards away. And I take a shower. And I'm like, forget it. I'll just, Jennifer, they, the sheep are following Jennifer. The ram follows my daughter, Jennifer. She's 10 years old. They follow her everywhere. She's got them all named. You know, the ram, she's petting on the horns. And he follows her like a puppy dog. I'm like, Jennifer, that ram's a killer. And he'll she'll look at me. And she goes, Daddy, he only hates you. You know, it's like, <laughs> so. So here I am, and I get up the next morning. And Yvette, I don't know how much time you have for this moment because this is the big moment. I'm We're just, good. Okay. Yep. So the next morning, I uh, I hear all this ba ba ba, and I'm like, "Whoa, what's going on?" I'm thinking it was a predator. I grab my gun, run out into the field. That night we had a big storm. It was like it was warm, and then it got a cold front came in and started to sleet that night. Wow. In the morning, it got warm again, and there, it's lit like clouds on the ground. It's fog, but it's like cl- looks like clouds, and and I can't even see the sheep because it's it's low, and we're up on a really high hill where we were living, and I go there and I see one sheep and it's licking a lamb. It had a lamb during the night, wow. <laughs> and so I, I run over to help it out, and and I go to pick it up, and it is frozen solid. And I'm like, no way. You know, and I, 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 I look at another one. They're all going, bah, bah. And I'm like, what in the world? And I go to the next one, and the lamb's on the ground, and the mother's licking the afterbirth, and it's frozen to death as well. The third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, sixth, seventh, they're all frozen. And I'm like, no way. This is horrible. 21 dead lambs. Wow. Every single one is dead. And I'm like, no way. I've, I've got to get this. I've got to get them buried. Because if Jennifer sees this, this is going to break her heart and scar her for life. 
I run down to the barn, get the tractor and the, I get the cart. I throw all the dead lambs. The mothers are following me. They're going, bah, bah. And I'm like, you dumb sheep. If you had listened to me last night, this never would have happened. And that's what I've been telling my family all this time. If you had just listened to me, just follow me. You know, and I'm like, and you know what they were saying? Dad, we'll follow you, but we don't know where to go. You see, a bad shepherd, he leads from behind. A good shepherd leads in front by example, by humility, by meekness, by gentleness and kindness and tenderness. Um, but I was always pushing my sheep. And uh, that's how I rounded them up. I was always pushing my literal sheep. And that's what I was doing with my family. And when Jonathan was literally saying to me, Dad, I'm willing to follow you, but I don't know where to go. You're, you're always pushing. There's no one to follow. At 15 years old, he said, Dad, if your life lived louder than your words, I'd follow you. Wow. Yeah. That's just, can you imagine having, I, 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 I'll never forget that. But, but, but what a lesson. And I could, I could easily, oh, I could easily say, you talk to me that way? You disrespectful? Do you realize what happened to, to people who dug disrespectfully in the Bible? Do you know what God will do to you? You know, I could have done that. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus drew people to him by stretching out his arms and dying on a cross. Not by telling us what we did wrong. By telling us how much he loved us. And so uh, I started throwing the lambs in the ditch that I dug. I got to the 21st dead lamb to throw it in the ditch. And Jennifer comes screaming, Daddy, the lambs are born. The lambs are born. She's so excited. She saw mm -hmm. me coming down the road on the tractor. And she thought I was having the lambs in the barn and was bottle feeding them. And she comes and she sees 21 dead lambs in this ditch. And she looks at me and she, she can't even figure it out. She's... She's 10 years old. It's so surreal to her. She can't, she can't understand this scene. 20 dead lambs in the ditch and the 21st dead lamb is in limp in my hand as I've got it by its legs. And, and I can't throw it because she's looking at me. And with tears streaming down her face, she looks at me. She can't even get the words out. She says, Daddy, you're, you're not a good shepherd. And uh, she goes running up to the house. Mommy, 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 Daddy killed the lambs. Mm. You know, and I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be a good shepherd. I, there aren't any books on the subject. There aren't any books on parenting other than what God's given us in his word. And the only real information we've got on parenting is in Proverbs and Ephesians, Colossians. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke them to wrath. And boy, was I doing that. And all I, all I can think about is like, I'm never going to let another lamb die on my watch. And five months later, they, they lamb every five months. And we had... We, I, in fact, I was gonna sleep in the barn if I had to, and I did. <laughs> um, when they're getting ready to lamb this next time, I am there, and um, and I'm still real sick. Um, but I'm there, and um, this one black lamb comes out, 
We never had a black lamb before. It was always just, you know, speckled or white. But this black lamb comes out and it's not breathing real well. It's barely breathing, but it was pitch tar black. And, uh, and as, as I hold it in my hands and I'm going to watch it die because it can't breathe, it's trying to breathe. But as I'm holding it in my hands, Jennifer's looking at me. She goes, she said, Daddy, do something. <laughs> what do you do? I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm not a vet. And, <laughs> you know, and lambs die, you know, and, and, uh, but I remember my kids were born, you know, the doctor had that rubber syringe and put it up their mm -hmm. nose and took out the snot, cleaned it out. I didn't have one of those. So I took the little snout in my mouth and sucked the stuff out and spit it on the ground. It was pretty oh. detestable. But then I, <laughs> that, but then it, it started to breathe a little bit, but not entirely. And I thought, okay. Five months ago, she said, Daddy, you're not a good shepherd. I'm not going to let this, I'm not letting this lamb die. And I took its snout and I put it in my mouth and I sucked as hard as I could. And this stuff came out like a bullet and I swallowed oh, it. Oh, it was oh. the most thing I've ever tasted in my so life. Disgusting. It is disgusting. I got better. I got better physically after that. It must be something to fight. <laughs> and, uh, and this little lamb started prancing around the, just frolicking around the barn. You know, it's fully alive, you know. And Jennifer looked at me and she goes, I can't, wow. You know, <laughs> up the house, mommy, mommy, daddy saved the lamb. You know, it's amazing how resilient our kids can be. Yeah. After all of our mistakes. And uh, I, I got up and I went over to the left side of the barn to get a bottle for the lamb. And, and uh, all my sheep, 70 of my sheep with their lambs, followed me to the left-hand side. I walked over to the right-hand side. They all followed me to the right. I walked backwards. They walked forward. I walked forward. They walked backwards. And they got all their eyes on me. They're not taking their eyes off of me. I've never seen this before because they've always shunned me. They always, when I would look at them, they would all turn their heads. Um, I opened up all the barn doors and I walked out. And Yvette, it was a miracle. All 70 of my sheep with their lambs followed me. Wow. And it was the first time. I walked up the path up toward the house and I stopped, they stopped. I walked forward, they walked forward. From that moment onward for the next five years, my sheep followed me everywhere. I could have gone to New York City, they would have followed me single file down Broadway. My sheep <laughs> followed me everywhere. And there's no question in my mind as to why this happened. I believe that day that I saved that lamb, I believe that those mothers instinctively watched what was happening and instinctively I became their shepherd because a good shepherd is willing to get dirty for his sheep. Wow. So incredible. There is so much more to this story, but we're out of time again. So we're going to come back tomorrow, finish the story. You guys are going to hear more about um, how Dr. Hamby learned and uh, became a good shepherd um, to his family. So make sure you come back tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you back then. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.